Well, hello, everyone. Turn to the person next to you and tell them Merry Christmas if you did not do that earlier. There's really only one thing I want from all of you for Christmas, and, uh, and I know you don't care, uh, but uh, I want you to pull for LSU to win the national championship. Not going to happen, huh? I mean, since your team is, uh, no, okay, we'll just move on. <laughs> Praying for a new coach, good coach for the Razorbacks, amen? amen. Don't get less miles, tip of the day, uh, but I do believe that you're going to get a good coach because the Razorbacks are going to win again, win it all, amen? amen? Man, none of you even believe that now. <laughs> okay, you'll win a game again. You're going to win a game? You know, win a game. Anyway, I, I, love, I love this season. Uh, candlelight is coming, but I want to get you ready for the beginning of next year. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm 58 years old now, and I can tell that a lot of things that I think about, uh, maybe I didn't think about as much when I was younger. I'm not trying to say that I'm right about it, but I do know being prepared in your day-to-day -day relationship with the Lord, uh, I think about it a lot more. Uh, we have 18 campuses now, and I peek around more than ever and trying to make sure that everyone is focused, and, uh, and I love GLR, and I'm so glad Chris O's back is better. Amen? Uh, but, but I, I want to say uh, that the beginning of every year is huge for us as a church, and uh, we start out with prayer and fasting, and uh, it's a very important time. We have pastors that come in from around the globe, really, to to see what's going on here, just like we study other churches. It's not because we're a fantastic church. For some reason, people come in and they look around. But when we talk to them about the beginning of the year and the way that we seek after God and, and that we pray uh, and then we fast, they don't want to hear that. They want to they wanna know what's next. Like, what's the real nuts and bolts around here? And uh, they, they don't want to get that part. So since fasting is coming, you can't just show up and do fasting uh, without thinking about it. So I want you to be thinking about it. Uh, it's not a spooky thing. Uh, Jesus fasted. He told the disciples, when you fast, do, do it like this. He said, some of you, you're trying to accomplish life, but those particular things you're working on, it didn't work because you didn't put fasting in at all. Fasting is related to food. Some people uh, at our church through the years, through the 18 years, uh, they have fasted dessert during that particular week. Uh, some people, it might be one meal a day. A uh, popular fast is that people don't eat until after 3 o'clock. Uh, another, another way uh, that people participate is by uh, cutting off social media for that week, which how many of you know we probably need to do for the rest of the year anyway? And uh, the reason why? A lot of people cut off TV and Netflix and everything else because so many things try to cut in on us and to keep us from growing in our faith. And what could be more important than that? Can I have an amen? So I want you to be thinking about how you, not the church, but you could participate in our prayer and fasting week. I have my pastor, Larry Stockstill, who's going to come back here and teach us. It's going to be an incredible week. We're going to seek the Lord in the mornings. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, next weekend, I'm going to be a children's pastor uh, for one weekend. Uh, I'm inviting all the kids in here, and we're going to do a sermon illustration. And uh, I'm going to do big screen with the movie Lion King. Pray for me. It's a challenge, all right? 
Uh, but I'm looking forward to that, and so get ready for that, okay? This weekend, I'm going to talk to you about something that, that could cause you to blank out. Uh, because it's certainly not appealing in the topic. Uh, if you look back over the year, the sermons that were shared and, and sent out all over the place, uh, I, I can assure you, because of my experience, this one is not going to be that. Uh, because very seldom do we think about this topic as world-changing. And so what I want to talk to you about is how, how to have a closer walk with the Lord through daily devotion. Because I think if we were to admit it, we're not where we want to be with that. Point in case, proof. How many of you, you believe that you should be better and more disciplined at your daily devotions? Would you raise your hand? Okay. Now, the reason why I'm talking about this is because I'm there too at times. I remember when I was growing up as a kid, uh, it snowed in Baton Rouge about six inches and accumulated, which is extremely unusual. That day I was homesick from, from school. It was weird because all of the kids in the neighborhood came over and they were playing in the front yard and, uh, and I, I wanted to be out there. But my mom, uh, who's a pretty firm lady, uh, she said, no, you're sick and you can't go out there. And I'm still bitter at her about that day. Because the kids were playing and making snowmen. I'd never even seen a snowman, and I couldn't even touch that snowman. Well, through the years as a pastor, at times, I have found that when I'm in time, in, in my time with the Lord, preparing a talk with you, a sermon, or whatever you want to call it, it's like everybody else, else is out there playing, and I'm in lockdown. However, through the years, I've grown to love those moments more than anything else that is happening because it keeps me strong. And I will admit, if I wasn't a pastor, it probably wouldn't be happening. And there you have the reason why I'm going to speak with a lot of passion today because I'm concerned for the body of Christ. I'm moved by my concern. I believe the solution for all of the problems that are in your life are related to today's talk. The difficulty in your marriage, the stress that overtakes you, the anxiety, the pressures at work, the lack of discipline and the heaviness of despair. And Jesus even said, let the ears of those who are in the church, let them hear what God has to say to the church. But in another place, in Matthew, Jesus said this about hearing and seeing. For this, people's hearts have become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. What? As a pastor, I wonder if this has happened to, to us, to you, to me. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn. And then I would heal them. I find it very interesting. Uh, a few months ago, uh, I, was, I was here and trying to get ready for, for the service. 
And I said, who's the sound man today? Because when you're up here, uh, the lights, I can't see back there. Uh, I can see you, but I can't see back there. And a lady's voice chimed in because I said, who's the sound man? And she chimed in and she goes, it's me. And it was a lady. And so I'm certainly not trying to be politically correct or incorrect because I don't really give, I don't give a care about that much. Uh, I almost went in the wrong direction. Uh, Michelle would have been highly disappointed. Because to my knowledge, she still has never cussed once in her life, right? How about right now? Okay, to move on. So, so she chimed in, and I thought to myself, why are the people who are working the sound at our churches, why are they not all women? Because men don't listen. <laughs> and isn't that a prerequisite to run in the sound? Listening? Like a lady can hear eight conversations at a time. I don't understand how this happens. Men, we can't even hear one conversation. But when it's related to hearing the voice of God, I can't find that men or women are better. I find who's best at it are those who are spending time with the Lord. In fact, you may have the Bible almost memorized. But you go about 30 days without devotion in the Lord and I can take a brand new believer who has spent every day with Christ over 30 days and they've passed you up because we're, we're made in such a way where we have to seek after the Lord. So what is the proclivity and the problem, the interruption that keeps us from growing in our relationship with God. It's, it's this whole thing that we're not being led by him. We're not in his word. Uh, years ago, some of you are old enough to remember, maybe 18, 20 years ago, there was a commercial on TV called, it, they don't title commercials, but you'll know it by this. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can, anybody remember that? I think it was a Verizon commercial, and the guy was just trying to, it was, you know, he couldn't get a signal, so it was like, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? You go on top of a mountain, can, can you hear me now? Uh, it made sense to me because that's what I was saying on my phone a lot. and We could all relate. Can you hear me now? We still have to do it often. Uh, by the way, I was coming out of a restaurant uh, and this 90-something-year-old lady right in the heyday of that commercial when it was extremely popular, uh, I was on the phone and this cute old lady in her 90s rolled down her window and she yelled at me, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? I'll never forget that. But the commercial was about this. It was a brother trying to find the right spot to hear. And I know a lot of you would like to be able to hear better, to be led by the Spirit better. And so today, I'm talking to you about finding the right spot to do it. It's really not a secret. Although when you're with him, it is like a hidden place. And the Bible even calls it a secret place of the most high God. I can't teach you about it. You've got to get it on your own. Jesus said in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. 37, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. Look at this in the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles 16, 9. The eyes of the Lord search, searching the whole earth in order to strengthen those who? Who is he trying to help out? Those whose hearts are what? 
fully committed to him. Even in the Ten Commandments, in the book of Exodus, chapter 20, it says, you shall have no other gods before me. It's like, what? He's not saying, don't have other gods before me. He's just sharing his heart like it's windows into the heart of God. Like, before you do anything else, would you please put me first? Why? Look what it says about his name in Exodus 34, a few chapters later. Do not worship any other god. For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. So God is screaming the same things. I want you to love me. I want you to be with me. I want you to be around my word. I want you to spend time with me in the morning. I want you to do devotions. I want you to think about me. I want your mind set on me. So through the years, what I've learned, and since he's the spirit of counsel, there are times where I do some counseling. And when I do some counseling, what I've learned is that never give someone advice and then have them go away. And then when they come back for you to give them new advice, if they didn't do the last piece of advice. A better way to say it or another way to say it is never work harder on someone's marriage than they're working on it themselves. Uh, one, one time there was this couple that I really loved and I wanted them to make it. And, um, which happens, it's happened to all of you. Somebody you really love and they're just not doing well. So I was working extra hard. One night I had a dream and I was in this um, hotel uh, hallway in this dream and I, I knocked on the door, like there was doors on both sides, just like every hotel. And I knocked on the door and he came to the door and I said, you need to talk to your wife. And I turned around and knocked on the door. She answered and I said, you need to look. He talked to your husband. And when I looked, his door was closed. So I knocked and he, uh, he came to the door. I said, come on, man, talk to your wife. And I turned and her door was closed. So I knocked and she came in and I turned his door. And it, all night long, that's what it seemed like to me, that I was banging on their doors to get them to talk. And then I woke up and it's like I was exhausted this is what I think it's like for the spirit of counsel it's like it's like he's ready to work and we're not we're not stand like we're not walking in the door we're not we're not there with him in the morning in the cool of the day so what happened to me this week uh how many ate too much at Thanksgiving I had a goal uh, during that season to to lose 10 pounds at the last part of the year and I'm proud to say I uh, only have 20 pounds to go. And uh, so it's like a math situation, all right? Do the math, all right? Uh, but when I was there in Baton Rouge, there was this man uh, named Joel who I have a lot of admiration for. And uh, this young man was in my youth group uh, many years ago. And so this was a day where a lot could have happened. Uh, a lot of people, uh, a lot of things going on that day. But I wanted to be around this Joel kid. He's not a kid anymore. He's 40 years old. Uh, but I just have a lot of admiration for his relationship with the Lord. And uh, so I sat down with him for breakfast. We're like in a lobby type area. And I uh, was talking to him. And this kid, when he was 15 years old, uh, his kidney just stopped working. And he ended up almost dying. He was on dialysis, had a kidney transplant. It failed. He uh, tried to get another one. It wasn't capable. 
and uh, he's almost died many times. He, he's had uh, many surgeries. I'm guessing 10, 20, 30 surgeries. Who, who even knows uh, with the port in his heart and organs in his body, such difficulty. And then he fell in love and got married many years ago and his wife uh, ended up with cancer. He was the one who was supposed to die and she ended up dying and gosh, uh, but because of dialysis, he's on lockdown uh, three times a week. And this brother has fallen in love with the Lord. Michelle and I were commenting our time with him. I've never seen him look better. I've never seen him stronger. It was like, what is going on in you? I asked him that. And he started telling me about his time with Christ. So I did just what you would do. If your family was moving around all behind you, I said, hey, Joel, turn to my family and speak to my family. For the next 12 minutes, that's exactly what he did. And he talked about devotion to the Lord. Everything that he was saying was like punching me in the gut. Not with me directly like it, like it normally would, uh, but with, with me and my my love for you, because I started thinking about how many of you are, like you love the Lord. This is not what I'm speaking about. But you haven't grown this year because you haven't been around him much. And I was thinking about you and I couldn't wait. I like wanted to call a church service six hours later because that's the drive time from Baton Rouge to here. More like five and a half if you really go for it. <laughs> so I've given you the illustration through the years that there are times where you give uh, your kids advice, you know, like, hey, don't run through the house or, hey, eat all your food or, hey, stop punching your sister or whatever. Uh, those are good pieces of advice, but there are other times when they could fall in a swimming pool or get hit by a car it's in those times where you're not playing. It's not a tip. You call them over and you'll grab that four-year-old. You'll grab them by the face. You remember me giving you this illustration. Look at me. And they will not look. A four-year-old will not <laughs> look. Do you want me to do to you what I did to your older brother? I don't have an older brother. See, you want me to do that? That's what I'm trying to tell you. That's what I'm going to do. But you're really not threatening them because you're mad at them. It's because you love them. And the Lord is trying to grab you by the face saying, I miss you. I want you around. And all of hell doesn't want you to know this secret, this truth. The devil himself, he works your schedule and steals your passion and causes you to hesitate. And if there was one thing that I could share with you, it would be this topic, like if I... If I could just speak one more time, and it would be this topic. What would happen with a business person who's busy and running companies if three times a day they walked over and locked a door and then got on their knees before God and said, Lord, I thank you for this business. Sometimes I think I'm really smart, but I know the truth. This is yours, and you're directing this. And I'm so sorry for my schedule. It's really busy today, but I just wanted to take a minute to let you know I love you. Please help me grow in you in Jesus' name. What if a student in high school 
because nowadays they won't allow prayer in school. So they lock pastors out, but students are locked in. What if three times a day they would get on their knees before God at school and say, Lord, you put me in this school and I ask that you give me perfect recall on tests and discipline to be, to be what I'm supposed to be here. But Lord, to abstain from compromise, let me be a light here. And when I blow it, Lord, let me have the guts to walk across a hallway to apologize to someone. What would happen to some single person who wants to be married and swipes right way too much? So they got on their knees before a date and said, Lord, I'm going out again. And you know what's happened to me a few times. But not tonight, Lord, I'm going to serve you. So if this is not of you, then I'll walk away from this because I'm not interested in anything but your will. Something happens whenever we decide that we're going to be people who are passionate for God. Can I have an amen? So look at this verse because I want to talk to you about like this, this whole thing. Because some of you, here's, here's what's going on that I don't like right now. Some of you, you're just getting condemned. Like you feel guilty right now. Uh, so uh, I want you to see the rescue. Look, like look what happens when you're hungry. Look what happens when you're thirsty. Look what happens. In, in Psalms 107, some of you wandered for years in the desert. This is all talking about spiritual relationship. But not finding a good place to live. You have starved and parched with thirst, staggering and stumbling on the brink of exhaustion. Then, though, then in your desperate condition, you called out to God and he got you out in the nick of time. This is talking throughout the whole thing. There's much more to it. Look at it later. But it's talking about being parched and being hungry and starving and thirsty. Could y'all look here for a minute? A lot of times when you realize you haven't been doing devotion regularly, you think it's condemnation and guilt. But I think it's just you're hungry. The problem you're dealing with is hunger. Thirsty. If I miss a meal, I know about it. My appetite says, Bezek, go to the refrigerator. But spiritually, sometimes you can go without being noticeably hungry. You're hungry, but you don't notice it. Uh, I can relate to this in another way with thirst. I don't drink enough water sometimes. And when I do that, it's about every three or four or five months, I won't drink enough water and I get, I'll get a headache. It's not a migraine, but it's just like, man, my head hurts. I need some Tylenol. So I always tell Michelle about it uh, because I'm always looking for sympathy when I'm in pain. I just want somebody to care. And Michelle hasn't cared for years. <laughs> and uh, years. And, uh, but I always bring it up to her, and this is what she says. She goes, did you drink anything today? Have you, are you hydrated? And I mean, yes, I am. And then I think back, and I haven't had any water since Wednesday, you know? And... <laughs> That's what happens. You get thirsty, and by the time you realize it, it's too late. It's the way it is with hunger. So, so I don't know how you're going to continue to grow if you want to grow without understanding that. Jesus said, I am the bread of life, John 6, 35. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me 
shall never thirst. This, this word seek in Matthew 6, but seek, everybody say seek. seek. It literally means to crave, to go after with cravings. You're never going to seek after God if you don't crave him first. So here's the verse that I, I want to point out, and then I'm going to go into some practical application. We're going to get, in, we're going to get into to, to, to practical application. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to get into like pragmatic way uh, to grow. But look at this in Revelation chapter 3. I know your deeds. He's speaking to a church. That you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. Could you all look here? This is insinuating and more that the Lord would prefer you to be cold or hot versus neither one. I'm going to come back to that. So because you are lukewarm, which clearly aggravates him, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. I think it's the King James Version. It says spew, like you're out. Look at this. It's like you can see the chatter saying, I'd rather you, in, in a way, I would rather you be cold than lukewarm. So I want to break that down just for a second before we move on. I think the reason why is because when you are cold, you have an intense desire to be warm. But when you're lukewarm, you're comfortable in the zone that you're in. On Friday night after a Christmas party, Michelle and I parked far away, and it was chilly, and we were walking. It was like we couldn't wait to get into the car, and we did. It was just immediately trying to get the heater to where we wanted it to be because we were cold, so we had an intense desire to be warmer. It's like when you get the air conditioner or the temperature just right in the vehicle, and your spouse turns over and changes, like, why'd you touch it? I was perfect. Because you don't want anything to change when you're comfortable. The goal of this passage is not for you to be cold or hot, but for you to be hot. If you study the Holy Spirit uh, in fervency, you'll see that those words fervent actually means fire, hot. God wants you to be on fire for him. That's why preachers say that a lot. If you, if you study boiling water, it boils at 212 degrees. At 211 degrees, it's just hot water. But one degree more, it can move a locomotive. Some of you have gotten close through the years, but almost there. So what is this grandiose idea that seems ambiguous? Like, how do I grow in the Lord? It's what we're talking about. It's daily devotion, so let's go through that. Have steady devotion. Look what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1. Follow me as I follow the example of Christ. The example of Christ. The example of Christ. Could y'all look here? Basically, Paul is not saying, I want you to follow me. He's not saying, hey, I got it going on. Follow me. Please follow me. If you ever find somebody who's trying to get you to follow them and not follow Jesus, I recommend that you run with all your might. Amen? What Paul is saying is, hey, I'm going for the Lord. I want you to go for the Lord. If you need to draft behind me for a little bit to get there, then let's go. But Jesus is always the focus. In 2014, the Olympics, probably the Winter Olympics, were in, were in Russia. And 
And what they do is, and I don't know the right specs about this, but I know that they carry a torch. They light the torch, the Olympic torch, and they kind of mosey on through different cities, and they keep it lit, like keep it lit. One year, that particular year, you can go on YouTube, it, uh, this guy had it lit, and he was running. He was doing exactly uh, what he was supposed to do. It was a little, little big, but he was still running well. And, uh, and then he, he, he looked up, and the torch, the wind blew, and that's why he looked up, and it went out. So he's like, that just doesn't happen. So he like looked away and kept running. Oh my gosh. Look, he's like, look, it's up here. He's looking away. This is exactly what we do with our relationship with the Lord. That's why we need devotion because when we're fire goes out, we stop looking at it. We don't want to know. But in daily devotion, you can find out, am I following after the Lord here? Number two. Be disciplined. But how do you be disciplined? First thing I want to tell you about discipline is discipline doesn't mean legalism. We're not talking about legalism, but falling in love. It's, devotion is not a religious moment, but a relational moment. And uh, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one could boast. If you appreciate the salvation, the grace that's been bestowed upon you that you do not deserve, but you have it because you called on him, would you praise his holy name in this place right now if you're happy about it? All right? It says that that's given to you because otherwise we'd be boasting. We'd all be going around like, I'm stronger than you. Check out where I am. But none of us can boast. Uh, but I, I think it's also important that many of you, you would actually prefer if you could measure it based on works. So discipline is not a measure based on work. But some of you would prefer that. Like if I told you, hey, for you to grow in your relationship with the Lord, twice a year you got to crawl on your knees right down the interstate uh, between this exit and across the river. Some, some of you would prefer that because it's like it's measurable Okay, I, I see now what I have to do. A discipline is never going to be activated until you just realize it's by his grace. Second of all, set a time to do it every day. Devotion does not have to be in the morning, but morning is the best. Why? Because the scripture says to seek the Lord first. It also says at the beginning of a year. It also says at the beginning of a month. Uh, you can read over and over through scripture. It says at the beginning of a day. It even says in Psalms 5.3, My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you and I will look up. I, I think it's something special about that. But some of you are night owls. Raise your hand if that's you. Well, I love you. So I got a verse for you. I found it. I didn't even know it was there. This is all for you. Isaiah 26.9. In the night I search for you. Praise his holy name. There is a verse for you. It doesn't have to be an exact time, exact time, but I do think if you're, especially if your schedule is really full, like there's been seasons where I've been so busy, I literally had a scheduled time for me to schedule time. I was so busy that I literally had to have an hour or two in a week where I scheduled my time. If you're really, really busy, then I feel like just finding a sliver of time uh, just a portion of time. 
uh, that you give to the Lord. And by the way, discipline doesn't mean that it just starts in the morning when you get up. Discipline also means for you night owls. Discipline also starts at night, the night before, by being disciplined to go to bed earlier. A man in our church named Ken, who I referred to a few months ago, he decided to spend five minutes a day uh, seeking after God. This was a few years ago. It was not on my motivation. It was some other place that he was at, and somebody taught on this, and he goes, wow, I need to be that man. So he started spending five minutes a day, and this is a busy person. You should see his schedule. And then uh, before he knew it, it was more like 10 minutes in the morning early. Then... 15, and then it progressed a little more than that. At the end of the year, though, he was going through a bad time, and he complained to his whole family. He goes, I've been trying to seek the Lord, and it hasn't even done it. Look at the mess. It hasn't even changed anything. And his family immediately reverbed back and said, no, 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 Dad, it's changed you. We've seen it, Dad. It's changed you. So... Be disciplined, and here's the next point. Even if it's terrible, your devotion time. Like, even if it doesn't work, do it anyway. I'm going to do devotion time with my God, whether it's good or bad. Even if it's terrible, I'm going to do it anyway. Even if I get distracted, I'm going to do it anyway. Even if I get on Instagram, I'm going to do it anyway. Even if I get notified from ESPN about my football team, I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, no matter what, I'm gonna, even if I go five days without being in the Word, I'm going to get up the next day and do it because I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to serve the Lord. People have been doing this for thousands of years, uh, people who love God, people who want to love God, even people who are in prison, people who are out of prison, pastors, regular people, people from other nations around the world have done it, and I'm going to do it because today is the day of the Lord, and I'm going to search Him, and I'm going to be glad in it. And then decide what you're going to do daily. Like, what kind of attitude you're going to have. In Louisiana, we got this uh, saying that when somebody's negative, we say, they did yang-yang. That's how we say it. They're just doing the yang-yang. And uh, basically means they're just negative. Um, I, was, I was teaching you about our words and attitude a few months ago, and I described to you how a hummingbird flies around all day long looking for nectar and something sweet. So all day long, that's what it finds. Or a vulture flies around all day long and looks for dead things, and all day long, that's what it finds. What are you looking for when you spend time with the Lord? And I, and I just want to encourage you uh, to have a good attitude. I don't walk in the house going, man, Michelle's here. I'm a ha- hadn't seen her today. I don't have to figure out. Oh, I got to just be around her. I mean, can you imagine what kind of relationship that is? Uh, you know, she, she, she's my wife. Uh, but I also believe that you're never going to have traction in your relationship with God if, it's, if it has a bad attitude. Like if you, if you have a bad attitude or if it's fake. You ever been around somebody who just, their relationship with God, like you ask them to bless the food and they're cool, they're high-fiving you and they go to bless the food and then they go into King James Version or whatever and their eyes are squinted. Don't, don't be that. Oh, thou mostest, holiest, most awesome fatherest. I need you with my timeth. And the Lord is saying, wrap it up. <laughs> no, it's Lord, I always wanted to be close to you. Try this. Lord, I always wanted to be close to you. It hasn't happened yet. 
But I think your scripture is clear that you want my heart and my time. So I'm here, Lord. I don't even really know what to say. But I want to grow in you. So I dedicate this time to you as I sit before you today. In Jesus' name. If you could see me on Saturdays, every Saturday my attitude is just so bad about my sermon. Uh, every, every Saturday morning, Michelle asks, how do you think it's going? It's terrible. It's bad. Because I'm always thinking that people are busy and they're jumping in SUVs. Some people even have kids and they're trying to throw all their kids in the vehicle and they're counting kids, see if they get close. And then they, they drive here and they're dual income families, some single moms dual income or two jobs. And so the way that I, I finally find rest is not by improving my sermon. It never happens. It's never that great. But what I do is I say, Lord, the sermon is, is so bad. I just read it, God. And I know that people are coming in that are desperate. Would you, would you please help me speak to them in such a way that, look, it's in that moment that I, even the sermon may not get better, but I know that my relationship with the Lord does, so I guess it does. And then the last thing is, is delight. Just when you, when you expect delight, could y'all look here for a minute? Our world doesn't want delight or doesn't want discipline anymore. We just want delight. Why do you think people who fall in love, why do you think people who love God have premarital sex before marriage? Because they don't want discipline. They want delight. They just want to run to the delight. They just want to run to whatever their desire is instead of what the desire of God is. So you think about uh, these people who the apostles... Paul was in prison in the, in the book of Philippi or Philippians when he was speaking to the people of Philippi. He said, you know, he's in prison. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Look at the martyrdom. And it's kind of gory to talk about, but Bartholomew, he was slayed, slayed alive. Some of them were shot with arrows and some beheaded and some crucified upside down, some thrown off of temples. It's like, what? And they just did it like with joy. So I think the message today is not to be willing to die for him. Today's message is let's be willing to live for him. Having a slice of time every day. Let's grow in our relationship with him because... He's worth it. And he paid a huge price to be in a relationship with us, and it's our move. Thus saith the Lord.